Hey, welcome back to another HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan. Today we've got on Tim Urich. He is the CEO and founder of Tier One Capital. They're a leading financial consulting firm. He's been in the industry for over 35 years, helping families and businesses grow their wealth over time and reach their financial goals. Fantastic conversation today, because at the end of the day, all of us deal with money in our businesses constantly. It's incredibly important to stay on top of it. Thad, what was your favorite nugget from this episode? I mean, the, the systems to be in control of your cash flow. Tim identified four areas which you need to know, and it kind of dovetails throughout a lot of the episode, especially point number one. So you're going to want to make sure to turn into that part of today's episode. Tim, how about yourself? Well, certainly 69% of all businesses are struggling with cash flow. And over 30, the past 37 years, I found that all of these struggles are self-inflicted. I like that part. Absolutely. And for me, well, two things are certain in life, death and taxes. And when Tim shared that 90% of all small businesses are overpaying in taxes between 31 and 71% overpaying in taxes and 50% of all statistics are made up. So make sure you listen to that part of the show because it was truly phenomenal talking about taxes because at the end of the day, it is a necessity in our business and I am all for paying my fair share in taxes. I just don't want to pay more than it. And I don't think you do either. So make sure you tune into that part of the episode. But we do want to hear from you. What was your favorite part? So leave it down in the comments down below and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to another HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan, where we have good conversations with good people and any good conversation worth having is worth having drunk. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, buddy. Good to see you. Been a minute since we've been doing the show. So I am excited to get back into it here. We've got a fantastic guest lined up. Pretty much anyone that has anything to do with earning money, making money, spending money, they should probably tune into this episode. I would agree. And look, I remember having the initial conversation with Tim prior to having come on the show and the couple stories that he told of freeing up cash inside people's businesses and really optimizing cash flow, right? We've heard numerous times that cash is king in a business. And what's the old statistic that 80% of businesses go out of business within five years and the majority of that are due to improperly managed cash flow. So really fascinating topic to really dive into it. And I'm going to let the, the cat out of the bag on one topic that I want to get into. Somebody shared it into a group and it was Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger there was an article written on them talking about EBITDA versus cash flow, and they're actually two different things. And so I know there's this really big hard on in our industry for EBITDA, rightfully so. EBITDA is important, but also understanding the cash flow after you pay for the things that are included in EBITDA. So it's going to be a fascinating topic. Can't wait. Absolutely. Well, and EBITDA is important when it comes to selling a business, but at the end of the day, you're not selling today. So what is it that you are doing to make sure that you are protecting yourself long term? And if all of your eggs are in one basket and all you're doing is depending on your business selling, there is a dark side of private capital coming in and, and investing in your business and understanding what that is is going to be important, which I want to get a show on that eventually at some point, but also understanding that you can take complete control of your financial future separate of your business. And that's the part that I'm excited about for this conversation today. Perfect. It's going to be phenomenal. And of course, it's not possible without our sponsors and in no particular order chirp real-time 360 profit rocket in on purpose media chirp i know they've actually been doing some phenomenal things lately with ai and having like full text message conversations uh one of the things that they're working on integrating into service titan to see your availability in your board and then having the ai offer that to them all via text message fascinating shit the other part and the outbounding, the rehashing, the Google reviews, the automated text messages, the list goes on and on and on. You'll be doing yourself a disservice by not checking them out and getting 25% off your first months via chirp.com forward slash HSS 
are love them real-time 360 look if you're tired of juggling between multiple marketing tools as you're switching around from one agency to another agency whoever's in charge of your marketing they take control of all your shit if you want to take back control of your business Say goodbye to the frustrations, take control of it with Real-Time 360. It will streamline your reviews, automate social media, engage customers, live chat, track your success all in one place, and you own the dashboard. So join the revolution and power your success with Real-Time 360. Check them out at realtime360.io. On Purpose Media is a marketing company. That's us, by the way. So check us out later. We'll read that out. But Profit Rocket is probably one of the more important ones too over on Purpose Media because, well, as Evan knows. Look, if you're an HVAC business or any home service business looking to grow your company, not just top line revenues, but bottom line profits, you got to go check out the Profit Rocket Business Blueprint. It's been live for seven months now, eight months. And the amount of businesses that have completely revolutionized their business because of the information that is in here is astounding. There's been over 300 members that have signed up for it. And it's got everything you need from P&Ls to SOPs for all of your positions, call scripts, marketing scripts, call processes, and so much more. Plus they do live coaching calls as well. Go check it out at callprofitrocket.com. And if you wanna know what Profit Rocket is truly all about, go check out the Growth Summit that is happening this September 27th to 29th in Austin, Texas. We're gonna be there podcasting live on location, but you've also got some phenomenal speakers that are gonna be at this event, like Amanda Triolo, Marcus Luttrell, Tim Grover, Lance Bachman, Kenny Byrne, Lawrence Castillo, Sean Michael Crane, Joe Cressera, and our guests from last week who no-showed, but we've got them coming up again, Mario Lopez, as well as many, many more. It's going to be a phenomenal event. Go register at callprofitrocket.com. Giddy up. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed, a show where we interview industry leaders and disruptors, revealing the success secrets to create and unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Now your hosts, Thaddeus and Evan. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Evan, Thad, this is definitely my pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you. You are very welcome. I'm excited for this conversation because at the end of the day, I mean, money is one of the biggest causes of frustration within a business. It's one of the biggest frustrations within a family and one of the biggest stressors in life that people have. It's a necessary evil for living in today's society and it brings a lot of joy and a lot of pain. So I'm excited for this conversation. Well, so we did some research. We hired a company to do some research for us. And what they found was that 69% of small businesses around the world struggle with cash flow. And 61% of small business owners admitted to sleeping less or losing sleep due to cash flow concerns. Now, here's what I could share. And I think one of you touched upon this in the intro. All of these cash flow issues are friggin' self-inflicted. And here's the deal. It's not like people are doing things that they know are screwing themselves up. They actually think they're doing, the things they're doing are moving them forward because that's what conventional wisdom tells them to do. That's what the financial institutions they're dealing with or the vendors or the corporations they're dealing with. They trained them to use money in a way that is beneficial to the system, but detrimental to the business owner. Well, I've always loved the Dave Ramsey quote where he says, the problem with me and my money is the idiot that I shave with every morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Dave Ramsey in general, but I do love that quote. Now, listen, I get it. 
I friggin' hate him, but no, I don't. I hate some of his opinions. And my late father-in-law had a great quote on opinions. He said, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one and they all stink. <laughs> I'm so glad you went there. <laughs> I've said it to Thad numerous times, although I complete it with, and some are full of shit. There you go. Uh, I love it. One thing, I mean, we talked about cash flow a little bit and I alluded to it right at the very beginning. And I want to get a distinguishing factor between EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, and cash flow. I know that a lot of talk right now within within our space and a lot of businesses for that matter is this hard focus on EBITDA and rightfully so because EBITDA is important, but also cash flow. So what's our distinguishing factors between the two? Well, think of it this way. Cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. You cannot operate your business without cash flow. When cash flow stops, everything stops. And I guess the other big difference is you can't spend EBITDA, right? You can't spend depreciation. You can't. So the point is everybody focuses or a lot of folks are focusing on EBITDA. And I'm sitting there like I'll, I'll talk to clients and they're, they're talking to me about, oh, this EBITDA, that EBITDA. I'm like, oh, that's great. But at the end of the day, you can't spend it, can you? They're like, well, no, but it's a good benchmark. Well, are you selling your business? Well, no, I, I want to grow it. Well, what are we talking about? So I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I focus on, I try to have my clients focus on the things that are important to growing their business, to operating their business. And again, cash flow is the lifeblood. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's my thought on it, on that issue. Well, would it be fair to say that someone could have a strong EBITDA and not necessarily have a strong cash flow? Oh like yeah, absolutely. Has a strong, if someone has a strong cash flow, they will also have a strong EBITDA. In all probability, they will. Absolutely. Right. It's like how all, what is it? All whiskeys are bourbons, but not all bourbons are whiskeys. Exactly. But yeah. you bring up a great point, Evan, right? So if we're focusing on EBITDA, we're literally taking our, our eye off the ball. The ball is cash flow. And most people think there's two ways to improve cash flow. Number one is to increase revenue. But we all know it costs money to bring in more business. So yeah, you, you might be able to bring in your revenue. I can't tell you how many, and I've been doing this for 37 years. I can't tell you how many businesses or business owners I've spoken with over the years who have said to me, bigger is not necessarily better. I was making more profit when we had 20 accounts and five employees and then I grew my business to 300 accounts and 110 employees, and I was freaking hemorrhaging cash flow. I was hemorrhaging money. And then I realized that if I scaled it back, all of a sudden, we're in a much stronger position going forward. Right. Well, as uh, Evan famously says, and what is it, the poet Biggie Smalls, uh, more money, more problems, right? Just different, different things. So if somebody's looking at this, and let's play stupid for a second. And they're like, okay, I know how to calculate my EBITDA, my bookkeeper, my accountant, send that to me. But I have no freaking clue even how to look for my cash flow and what that even means to me. We're, we're step number one. Step number one is to literally do a deep introspection about how you're using your money. And here's what I found. How you're using your money, and I'll give you an analogy. How you're using your money is the golf swing. Where your money is, is the golf club. And the financial institutions we deal with all manufacture financial products, which we're gonna call the golf club, the financial golf club. But nobody is teaching you how to use the money to your benefit. They've all taught us how to use our money to their benefit. And what we do is we sit down with folks 
and say, okay, we're going to change. We're going to flip the script here and we're going to show you how to win this game because you've been taught how to play the game, but nobody told you the rules to win. And in very short order, you can turn the situation around dramatically. And I'll, I'll give you an example. And I, I shared with this with you in the pre-call when we usually get called in to help folks who are in crisis that the HVAC guy that I had dealt with locally here, he was 64 years old when I met him. He had the goal to retire in 10 years. He had no money set aside. So he needed, he was in the two minute drill, so to speak, of his financial life. And when I showed him what it was going to cost to get to his goal, he's there's no friggin' way I can do this. Now, I had already looked at his financials and I knew that the money was baked into his cash flow. He was taught to do things with his money that weren't necessarily in his best interest. So what we did is I identified all of these areas and showed it to him. And he agreed wholeheartedly that, yeah, that makes sense. I realize I'm giving up control of my money here. And I said, okay, here's the question. Now that you know where you're giving up, you're giving away your cash flow, are you going to stop doing it? He goes, hell yes. So, but that in our process, we have a four-step process. The second step is the hardest step. You got to stop doing what you've been doing because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get what you keep, what you, what you always got. One of the, like I'm thinking about this and you mentioned it before, we're taught uh, training to do things by the system. In fact, actually one of our employees, I think it was earlier this week, we were chatting about uh, money and just the product that there's no financial literacy in the educational system. And she's talking about with her kids, kids right now, they're 13 years old. They understand loans, they understand credit cards. My kids are way too young to even comprehend that. It's a fight on just sitting in the right chair when it comes to dinner time, right? But when you look at this and you're taught to do things that are not in his best interest, what are some of the common examples, or maybe even in this case, and I know it's kind of, I'm trying to put like a generalization on something that is kind of specific to a particular business, but in your experience, you've likely seen a lot of the same patterns repeating itself on things that people are doing incorrectly with inside their business. Yeah, so for sure, Sure, how you're using your money, how you're paying for things. It's not what you buy, it's how you pay for it that's going to add to your bottom line. That's going to put you in control of your money. So a couple things. Number one is paying cash for things. If you think you're saving money by paying cash, you're saving interest paid. You're probably losing more interest that you could have earned versus the interest you're saving by, by not financing. So that's number one. Number two, being in a hurry to get out of debt. We've been trained... Uh, I can't tell you how many business owners I've spoken with who say, oh, I, I, I hate debt. I hate paying interest. My response to them is, oh, so you like losing interest? And then I, I get this look like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, well, you're either going to pay interest or give up interest. It seems like you have settled for giving up interest. Now, if you want to make the best call for yourself, why don't you do look at the numbers and work out those numbers and see which would be more advantageous. Would it be better to finance or pay cash? I was talking to a business owner not too long ago. He had a loan that he had taken out about four or five years ago. He was paying two and a half percent interest on it. And he was doubling down on his payments. I'm like, what are you nuts? He said, what are you talking about? I said, you're not going to get that loan again. Right now, if you, if you wanted, if you paid off that loan today, and then because you didn't have any money, and you had a big piece of, of equipment go down and you had to go out and buy, buy a new piece of equipment, it's gonna cost you 7.5% minimum. 
to, to get a loan on that. And by the way, it's probably going to be closer to nine and a half percent. It would be seven and a half percent if this guy was a prime borrower at the bank. 37 years, I've never met a prime customer ever. So that means you're paying two to 3% above prime, which is close to 10%. So why would you be in such a hurry to get rid of 2% money so that you can what? Borrow at 9%? Boy, the bank's going to friggin' love you. And he said, geez, I, I really never thought of it that way. But again, we've been conditioned to do things that just doesn't make sense if you step back and say, what are we doing here? What are we trying to accomplish? Well, and that's kind of the difference between good debt and bad debt, right? Well, exactly. And so a couple things. The, the areas, Thad, that most people are really giving away control of their money are on how they're using it, how they're making major capital purchases, how they're paying their debt, their loans, their, their real estate, their mortgages, how they're funding their retirement, taxes. 90% of small business owners are overpaying taxes. And the average ranges from 37% to 71%, depending on the industry. That's how much they're overpaying? That's how much they're overpaying. Uh, is that just because of shitty accounting? Well, think of what do accountants do. They're not doing anything looking forward. Everything they're doing is looking backwards. I mean, a friggin' monkey could do their job, right? All they're doing is entering data. TurboTax. Throwing it into TurboTax and telling you what you owe. And then here's the biggest friggin' lie. They'll come to you and say, okay, Evan, Thad, you're going to owe $20,000 in taxes. But if you put $50,000 away into a retirement account, you will, in a 40% tax bracket, you won't have to owe anything. Well, that's a lie because you're still going to owe the tax. You just kicked it down the road. It's deferred. Right. Now, what's another word for deferred? See, deferring the tax, deferring is a, is a very benign term. But when you really talk about what it is, you postpone the tax. Now, if somebody said, here's a tax deferred account versus here's a tax postponed account, how many people do you think would sign up for a tax postponed account? Right. So words have meanings. And my, my point is how they're funding their retirement is really not helping them. It's taking more and more of their money and putting it out of reach so that when they need to, to get their money, where is it? Oh, it's in an account that I can't touch till I'm 59 and a half. Well, I'm not going to pay a 10% penalty plus income tax, so I'll borrow. And now you're dependent on the bank. So anyway, I think, does that answer your question as to some of the areas where people are giving away control? Yeah, 100% does. I mean, do we want to go down a taxes rabbit hole? Probably not, right? Well, and it, I mean, really quickly before we go down that, I know you gave the analogy, but you know, I remember vividly one of the first cars I brought brand, brand new, the, the only car that, I, I mean, we just bought another vehicle. It was used, but it was the only car that I brought brand new. And I remember going in and they had a 0% interest for four years and 1.9 or 3% for five years. And the guy's pushing the five years. I'm like, no, I'll take the four years because it's 0%. And I remember talking about this with somebody when I was refing hockey and they're like, well, could you have paid cash? I'm like, well, yeah, I could have. He's like, well, why do you want the monthly expense? I'm like, because I can take the $30,000 I will put in cash and I can put it into an account for four years and earn five, seven, eight percent versus me putting it down and not having that money and I'm charging 0%, right? That's that thing that you're talking about, right? But I do kind of want to talk, I mean, I guess we can kind of go down that order, pay their debt, how they fund retirement, taxes, pick your poison. Well, let's talk about, I, I think you brought up a good point about keeping your money versus paying, borrowing. And this is the most misunderstood concept that people have. 
So let's say you want to buy a piece of equipment. It's going to cost $30,000. And let's also assume you have a CD earning 4% interest and the, and the CD is worth $30,000 today. Just for those that are wondering what a CD is, can you let us know? Oh, it's a certificate of deposit. It's like a, it's a, a savings account that you have to guarantee to the bank you're going to keep it for, let's say, five years. So you can't touch it for five years and at, at the risk of a penalty. Similar to a GIC. Yes. GIC is in Canada. So Okay. So now the CD is earning 4% and you say, well, geez, that's a pretty good interest rate. I don't want to get rid of that. So I'll go and finance this piece of equipment. And the banker comes back and said it's going to cost, let's say, 6% to finance that piece of equipment. What will most people do given that set of circumstances? They have a CD earning 4% or they could get a loan and keep the CD and pay 6%. Because people don't understand money, the choice they'll make over 90% would say, well, I would cash out the CD. And my next question is, what's your thinking? And they'll say, well, I'm saving 2%. I could have earned four or I could have paid six. I'm not going to pay six, so I'll save 2%. And I say, okay, well, let's, let's look at it another way. The CD is earning interest on an increasing balance. So that means 30,000 becomes 31,200 and 4% on top of that for the next for the next 4 years compounding on an increasing balance you would have earned over $5,000 of interest so your 30,000 becomes 35,000 so you didn't finance because you wanted to save interest and you thought you were saving 2%. Now, here's the irony. If you took out a $30,000 loan for 5 years at 6% your payment would be 704.55. Actually, for four years, let's do this. Let's say it's a 5% loan at for, for five years. The payment is 566. Easy math, math, right? So multiply 566 times 60. What, what do you get? 33,000 something? 33,960. Okay, so you paid 39.60 in interest. So wait, you said, I'm gonna save 2%, but the fact of the matter is, you would have earned 5000 and you would have paid 3960 if you financed. So who won there? Exactly. Because you also had to pay a penalty when you pulled the money out. Exactly. So instead, you could have earned at least $1,000. Well, and, and to speak to another point that you said earlier, it also isn't taking into account future earnings, right? So instead of, yeah, you pulled that money out, now you've got a payment of 706 that money stays in and now you're still earning more than that on a monthly basis anyway. So what are you doing with that money? How are you investing that over time by having that free capital? Exactly. And now, so here's the point we've made and we've been trained to do this. Listen, I'm not innocent of this, right? I figured this out. I was in financial services. I was doing really well and I was doing everything by the book and I was advising people to do everything the way I was doing things. And I was friggin' broke. I was living pay to pay. The same way I grew up. The only difference was I had more cash flow, but the cash flow was intermittent because I was in sales. My dad had a job. He got, he got a, the same pay every week. I had a business where I was making commissions. Some weeks I was flush, some weeks I wasn't. I was literally living pay to pay. And I was embarrassingly borrowing money sometimes from my dad to pay my mortgage. Why? 
because I had money in a retirement account. I was paying down my mortgage. I was putting money in places I couldn't get at it, get it, couldn't reach it when I needed it. So then when I needed it, what do I do? I would borrow from my dad. And I mean, that was just a shitty way to live. So I figured out some things on my own and ultimately found out that there's a whole system set up to show people how to be in control of their cash flow. And that made all the difference in the world for me and ultimately for my clients. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, I was writing that down. But before we get into that, because that's a pretty big segue in and jump into that tool cash flow. Let me just finish writing that down. Random question generator. The this is probably one of my favorite parts of the show, next to drinking whiskey on a Wednesday afternoon, where the question has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. You get to choose three options. But the random question generator is of course brought to you by On Purpose Media. On Purpose Media, hey, you know what? We're your local HVAC service marketing experts. If you're ever wondering, hey, is my marketing actually working or not? Fill this guy out on purposemedia.ca forward slash marketing dash analysis. We'll give you all the details on whether your current marketing company is hitting the mark for you or not, no obligation, no risk. Evan does the work, so make sure you fill that out. We had a question, I said, that's still probably one of my favorite lines from it. So we have four questions queued up. You don't actually get to know what the question is, Tim. You just get to choose what's behind door number one, two, three, or four. Let's go with three. Oh, that's the one that I even highlighted as, yes, I hope he chooses this one. I like. It's almost like I made it happen with my mind. If you could come back as an animal, what animal would you choose and why? I would say, okay, so I would say a bear. And, and this is easy because my nickname when I was a kid was Tim Bear. So All right. what type of a bear, brown bear, black bear, polar bear? I'd say probably like a black bear because in Pennsylvania, that's what we have. So I would say a black bear. Nice. Excellent choices. Evan, if you're an animal, what would you be? Capybara. A what now? A capybara. Go look it up. They're the coolest animals. They can swim. They're furry. They're friends with every animal in the forest. They just have a great time. They're awesome. Capybara is a rodent and it looks like a hamster crossed with a gopher crossed with a, I don't even know. Yeah. And they're giant. Okay. All right. They're the size of a dog, small dog. Okay. They're awesome. And they got web feet. They can swim. Everyone loves them. How about you, Thad? I have a toss up numerous times between a lion or like a male lion, not female, because lay around, do nothing. Or, <laughs> or <laughs> Evan's barely controlling himself there. Or an eagle. And in a bird, I just, I think it would be absolutely fascinating to be able to fly, to be able to see things from above. And I think eagles are, and there's a whole bunch of different strains of eagles, And but I think an eagle. So there you go. All right, Evan, bring it back because I made you almost spit out your whiskey when I said that. So <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned, Tim, so the systems to be in control of your cash flow, I think is an important topic. So let's dive into that guy. Yeah, it's real simple. We have a four-step process. And the first is to identify where you're giving up control of your money on knowingly and unnecessarily. Two key words. Unknowingly means you don't realize it because let's face it, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, how can I screw myself up financially today? So everything you're doing financially, you think is moving you forward. If what you thought to be true turned out not to be true, when would you want to know? So we're very good at identifying where you're giving up control of your money. The second step is for you to stop doing it. And again, it's hard because it's what you've been doing. It's what everybody else is doing and it's what it's the way you've been trained to do things. The third step is to save that money that's already built into your cash flow in an area that you own and control. 
And then the fourth is where the magic happens, where you actually borrow against your own money and pay interest back to that entity that you own and control. And if you step back from this process, number one, you're finding money that's already in your cash flow. Number two, you're stop. You're, you're going to stop from gi giving up control and putting it into your control. And number three, when you use it, you're borrowing against your own money, which means your money's continuing to earn interest and the interest you're paying is going back to a system that you own and control. And because of that, you get to keep all of the principal payments and then you could just rinse and repeat. And again, if you step back and look at that, that process, your money never leaves your control. Who wins there, you or the system? How are you structuring that? Is it through a trust? Is it through another corporation? Would you funnel it through your current corporation? You can do it. You can do it either. You could funnel the savings from your business to you or just leave them in your business. So it's all a process. It's all, again, what we try to do is instead of talking about the financial golf clubs and everybody wants to, to go down that rabbit hole, we teach people how to use their money or use the financial golf club. So rather than saying, here's how financial services works. It's real simple. Show me all your stuff. All your stuff sucks. Come to my pro shop. I'll sell you a new set of clubs. I'll sell you more new stuff. Right. It's like my buddy, Matt, who sucks at golf buys at least three sets of clubs a year thinking that this will be the solution to him fixing his golf game. And dude, it won't. You still suck. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he's his handicap hasn't probably hasn't moved one one not one iota. One stroke, right? Exactly. But so rather than focusing on the products, what if you focused on how to use those products? That's the equivalent of the financial golf swing. So instead of us take looking at your stuff, your financial golf clubs, your financial products and taking you to our pro shop, showing you other products that may or may not be better than the ones you already have. What we do, our analogy is, let's go down to the range and let me take a look at how you're using your money. Let's look at your financial golf swing. And then we'll make some adjustments if the adjustments are needed. And I haven't met anybody who doesn't need some adjustment. And then if you need a club, it could very well be you got the clubs you need. You just don't realize it and nobody's taught you how to use them. So now we'll teach you how to use those products in a way that gives you better outcomes. So that's the process. Going back to step number one. This, by the way, is fascinating shit. I'm like, all right, let's just have and let's have a conversation with Tim for our own business, right? That's where my mind was instantly thinking on. But when you go back to that step and that unknowingly thing, so I always like to start at the very beginning because those last things boring against your own money. I mean, that's the cart before the horse. If you want to instantly jump to that, because people hear that and they're like, Ooh, that sounds fascinating. And then they're going to go and they're going to try it on their own and they're probably going to fuck shit up. But, and then if they're still unknown about the issues that they're doing, they're going to continue to repeat the exact same thing over and over and over again. So going back to that part of things in kind of almost a, a paraphrase from one of my earlier questions is, Great. What are people unknowingly doing with their cash flow to fuck shit up? Well, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, they're in a race to get out of debt. 
They're using their debt improperly. They're funding their retirement, putting money in accounts they can't access. They're on track to overpay for their children to go to college because of how they're saving money and where they're saving it. They're making major capital purchases in ways that are detrimental to their business. I worked with a fuel oil company and they used to buy these tanker trucks and they would they would borrow against, they had a, an equity line on their business and they would borrow against the equity of the property that their business was located in. And these tanker trucks cost about $275,000 and he would pay them off in about 18 to 24 months. And I said to the guy, if you paid it off in three years, would that kill you? He goes, oh, hell no. So that's what we did. We showed him how to pay it off in three years, take the savings on a monthly basis and start saving that into an account that he owned and controlled. Because the first step is to build your own pool of money. He had a pool of access to money through the equity in his business, but that was benefiting the bank, not him. So now we set up his own account and we had to get that account up to a point where it was the equivalent of, he'd buy a tanker truck for 275, but he'd, he would trade in an old one that might be five or six years old that he would get maybe... 85 to $90,000. So he, he needed a pile of money, about 200 grand, so he could borrow against that. So once we got to that point, then we bought the next tanker truck using that method. Now think about what happened. Every penny of the principal payment went back to him. Every penny of interest went back to him. And now it's just a matter of rinsing and repeating so that system continues to grow and grow and grow. And that was really this, you know, what we did to solve that problem. And by the way, they needed, this business needed a succession plan. There were two partners to the business. So we showed them how to set up the, the succession plan so it was self-completing. And in the interim, they were building all of this cash and, and building a, a greater cash position on their books. It didn't cost them one penny out of their current cash flow because they were just, the money was there. They just didn't realize it. It was on how they, how they were using their money was preventing them from putting their succession plan together. So hopefully that, that makes sense there. No, it definitely does. And I don't, I mean, I want to get into succession planning at the same time. I don't want to get into succession planning for the simple fact that if you want to see the six critical considerations when planning succession and executive retirement for your family business, check out this link, tier1capital.com forward slash HVAC revealed. That's tier with the letter one, number one, sorry, tier the <laughs> number one. I vote for more whiskey. More whiskey. Now it's up on the shelf for a reason. So I can't actually get up in the middle of the show to refill my drink. So tier number one capital dot com forward slash HVAC revealed. This will be in the show notes for those listening later on to talk a little bit more about the succession planning aspect of things. Yeah. And Thad, so one point there is this company came to me, they wanted a succession plan and they were in crisis because they didn't know how to do it. So we showed them how to do it with no impact on their current cash flow. But as I had said in the pre-call, if we get to people before they get into crisis, the results are incredible. And if you want, I could share that story. Yeah, so I met with this guy back in the summer of 2019. He owned a business. He had four locations. He owned the real estate on all four of those locations. And the, the gentleman who had referred me to him was a long old time friend of his, but they hadn't seen each other in probably six or seven years. They got married, had families and went separate ways, but they were really good friends. And so when I met with the guy, I explained a little bit about what we do. He goes, listen, since you're such a good friend of Jeff's, come on over, we'll talk. But I wanna tell you, 
I have two financial advisors and I have a CPA that I meet with on a monthly basis. And if there was anything that I should be aware of, I'm sure these guys would have told me, would have told me about it. I'm like, all right, well, listen, worst thing that's going to happen here is we will both make a new friend. So I meet with them and sure enough, this guy's doing pretty well. He's got over a million dollars set aside for retirement between he and his wife. He owns the real estate on all four of these locations. He was making really good income. And he also had two business loans and a credit line. And the two business loans were, so I mistakenly assumed that those loans were to purchase equipment to, for one of the, for the locations in his health, uh, healthcare business. And he said, no, I usually pay my quarterly taxes with a draw on my credit line. And so then, now I've seen this before. So I said, oh, so you use your credit line, you pay a little bit down, and then the next quarter you borrow more and then pay a little bit down, but that balance keeps growing. And then eventually you max out the credit line. He said, yep. And then the bank makes it a term loan. He said, yeah, usually five years. And then you open up another credit line. He said, yeah. So I said, both of those loans were to pay quarterly taxes? He said, yep. I said, okay, how much income do you make? He said, about 650000 And my next question was, when you were in college, what income number were you shooting for? And he goes, probably like one fifty to 200000 And I started laughing. And he goes, well, I know I should have had a higher goal. I said, I'm not laughing at the size of your goal. He goes, why are you laughing? I said, well, isn't it ironic? You're making three to four times what you ever dreamed you could make, and you can't pay your friggin' quarterly taxes without taking a draw on a credit line. Doesn't that seem ironic? And he, he just, he stopped and he goes, I never thought of it that way, but that's just the way I do things. And I said, well, here's the deal. If I can show you a way, it's going to take a year or two or maybe three where you never, ever have to take a draw again on your credit line to pay your quarterly taxes. Would that be worth 40 minutes of your time? He goes, absolutely. So we went to work. We started, I started showing him this process. And in October of 2019, we put this plan together. Now in 2020, he filed his 2019 taxes on extension. So when he left his accountant's office, he texted me and he said, Tim, I just want you to know, I just left Brian's office. I had enough money to pay my taxes for 2019, but better yet, I also have enough money set aside for the September quarterly, the January quarterly, and what we think we might owe for 2020 in April of 2021. Thanks for all you do for me and my family. Now, if that was all there was to the story, think about what we accomplished there in nine months. We started in October, here it is September, and he didn't have to pay his quarterly taxes. In fact, he had two quarters paid ahead, at least. That's a pretty good success story. But I could tell you it is way better than that because in December of 22, this past December, I met with him and his accountant in my office. It was seven o'clock on a Friday morning in December and we were going over our client's finances. He had a bunch of money set aside with me in the accounts that we set up for him. But more importantly, he had now grown his business to eight locations. And each location was a separate lo separate corporation. And because of how we taught him to use his money, he had cash on hand in each one of those eight companies. When you added up all of those companies plus what he had with us, it was over $1.8 million. Now, here's the deal. He always had the ability to have that access to that amount of money. He was just not thinking about it in the right way. And once we flip the switch for him, but like I always say, once we show you this, you can never unlearn it.
you're going to own that knowledge. And now you're going to be in control of your money rather than the banks, the government and financial institutions. I love it. This is, it reminds me of the quote, ignorance is bliss, right? And it's, it's not ignorance is not bliss. It's pain. It's frustration. It's agony. It's death in some cases. And what I love about what you do, Tim, is that I picture it as, as someone who's rafting on a river headed towards Niagara Falls and the debt that accumulates within a business, within your personal line, people get, I mean, it builds up a lot of anxiety. Would you rather know how to get off of that river <laughs> headed towards the falls when you're two meters from the falls or two miles from the falls? And that's what you do. You let people know well ahead of time where it is that they're heading if they continue to do what they're doing help them to get off of that path and to find a new one that's going to lead them to prosperity. So this has been fantastic. The Niagara Falls though, it's the Canadian side, not the US side. <laughs> it's much nicer on the Canadian side. It really is. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I was just there last summer. So, uh, and I've been there like seven times in my life and I'm from, a, I'm from Alberta, which is straight north of Montana. There you go. No, it's definitely, I could tell you, I've been on both sides. It's definitely nicer, except if you're a Canadian trucker. <laughs> yeah i can see that and trudeau's in in charge there you go can we say this yeah Every, everyone's leaving him right now including his wife so you can see where our allegiances lie <laughs> i'm sure he'll find a male lover somewhere not that there's anything wrong with that but in reality all right well if you want to get in touch with tim of course again you've got tier1capital.com but if you really want the special bonus make sure you check out tier1capital.com slash HVAC revealed. I'm going to submit my name right now to that, by the way. There you go. Okay. Uh, you can also reach out to him personally at Tim Urich at tier one capital.com. That is with the letter one, according to Thaddeus. They also have a great YouTube channel and Instagram. So be sure to check those out as well. And we will tag them down in the show notes. Well, Tim, as we wrap up, we have one final question here for you. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> What is one question that you wished people would ask you more, but don't? One question people should ask me more. How did you learn how to do this? I get that a little bit. I think people should ask it more. And listen, for me, it was, it was all trial and error, right? I was in a crisis myself. And once I figured that out, right, you don't know what you don't know until you are feeling, like Evan said, the pain. And now all of a sudden, like I was feeling pain. And I needed to get that fixed. And when I figured that out, it was almost immediate that I turned the ship around. And I could tell you that when I, I see this on a daily basis of the people we work with, we turn the ship around immediately and they have access to more money within two, three weeks. They're seeing more money building up in their account. And that's, that's the big deal. No, and trial and error is a, I mean, you can learn a lot by that, right? I mean, caveat that, that if you trial and error, but you don't actually learn from your errors, you're going to keep repeating the same mistake over and over and over again, right? If you have the errors, now you have to say, okay, well, what the fuck just happened? How can I not repeat those mistakes over and over and over and over again? Uh, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. And here's the benefit, right? And so think of it this way. I used to always tell my kids, the cheapest lessons you will ever learn are lessons learned from somebody else's mistakes. Because you do not have to go through the pain to learn that lesson. And the key here is I already went through the pain. So if you learn from my lesson, my God, you could save yourself 10, 15, 20 years of agony. And some people never, never learn that. 
So again, the cheapest lessons you'll ever learn are the lessons that somebody else had to pay the price for. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's the reason why we do this show is to compress decades into days, to take your wealth of knowledge and be able to, to share it with others in a way that's digestible and at least introduce them to the topic so that they can no longer be ignorant to the idea of it has to work this way because it's always worked this way. One thing, I want to put this up because I want you to extrapolate this for us. And debt is not necessarily to run a business. I started my business with 80K and have never put a dime into it since. I have 15 vehicles, all paid off and owned outright. My only debt is monthly equipment and credit cards that are paid off every month. That, by the way, is from Jeff Packard, a successful, successful business running a great uh, enterprise uh, in Utah. And because sometimes we see this quite a bit, right? I mean, walk us through that statement and... Not to discredit Jeff, Jeff is doing phenomenal and amazing things. Is that something that uh, you see a lot of or is it something that you don't see a lot of? Correct. And what are the positives and negatives to that? Yeah, so debt is not necessarily bad. There's good debt and bad debt. And I think the point that, that Jeff might be missing is that we finance everything we buy. I don't care if you're financing through conventional methods through a bank or you're paying cash. When you pay cash, that's a form of finance. It's called self-finance. And you're doing everything. You're giving up the interest that you could have earned on that cash. You're doing everything but making the profits off of your own money. So what's happening is you're, you're filling your tank and draining it down, then filling your tank and draining it down. And you do that for the rest of your life. And at the end of the day, you got nothing. But if we can show you how to be in control of that money and borrow against it as you're growing it. Now, all of a sudden, you're gonna, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you're gonna get the positive results. And not to say that Jeff is, I love Jeff, a phenomenal, phenomenal person, by the way, just, just FYI, Jeff, for it. But, and I like that analogy of it, like filling it up, draining it down, filling it up, draining it down. How can you continue to grow it? And that goes back to like straight square one, right? When we had the conversation of, okay, 4% GIC CD or 6% loan. Well, and it, so yes, opportunity cost is definitely something to look at there. And to Jeff's credit too, and, and to anyone that loves to pay down debt, that peace of mind is something that's worthwhile too. Right? Unless you know what it is that you're working towards and building. And I think that's where a lot of the, the ignorance comes in on that, that side of it is not having a clear vision of what it is that you're wanting to build towards, knowing that by financing this, it's giving you greater opportunity to grow that money to reach that retirement goal, whatever that is. Yeah, that ability to pay off the debt relieves that stress and it brings you peace of mind. So that emotional connection to paying down the debt is likely why a lot of people strive towards that. Yeah, and I don't, listen, that's not, the, I'm not I'm, I don't wanna be critical of that, right? I mean, he's fortunate he's in that position, but that's the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. We think we could earn our way out of everything. We're only one sale away or one big deal away from getting out from under whatever problems we have. But let me, let me share a real quick story. I worked with a re retail company uh, about three, I don't know, three, four years ago. And what happened was they started a business and they had no money. So they had to finance, they had to borrow money to capitalize their retail store. And then they turned over the inventory to make a profit. And then they got the profits and they used the profits to pay back the loan. We call this the debt cycle. You capitalize, you borrow, you capitalize, you turn a profit, and then you pay your debt. And then you borrow, 
you capitalize, you earn a profit. It's just a cycle. So what happened was they got really good at turning over their inventory. And because of that, they paid off a 20-year note in eight and a half years. And then two years later, after they paid off that loan, they decided to open up a second store. And when, so my question to them, and this, this might make sense in light of Jeff's question, my question to them was, what bank did you use for the first loan, for the first store? And they mentioned the bank. I said, okay, when you started your second location, what bank did you use for that, lo for that location? And they mentioned the same bank. And here was the question, whose money did the bank loan you for the second location. And they, I heard silence for about 15 seconds. And then finally, the president of the company looked at me, he said, those son of a bitches, they loaned us our own friggin' money. And that's exactly what happened. But now they're charging them a higher interest rate and they charge them fees to do the second loan. Why don't you just cut the son of a cut them out of the out of the equation and put yourself back in control of your money? So think about this. They were in a hurry to get out of debt to what? Get back into debt? So I don't know what I don't know where what the long term goal is or what's going to happen. But I don't think when they pay, when they made the decision to start paying off that first loan, they weren't thinking that, hey, maybe we'll open up a second location somewhere down the road. But all of a sudden that became a reality. And now because they gave away all of their profits for 10 years, now they had to go and they had no access to money. They had to go back to the bank, hat in hand, and qualify for another loan. So they went from asking permission when they could have been actually giving an order. Because it's, it's, and that's not a small distinction. Asking permission, that's what we do when we deal with the banks. And we give orders when we're asking for, when we want to use our own money. So hopefully that makes sense. Definitely does to me. Um, hey, look, Tim, I, we kind of went, we asked the last question, we go for 10 minutes. That's generally what happens with our podcast. And thanks for Jeff to ask that question because in, in Evan to extrapolate the emotional side of things, because we all get trapped in that, right? That personal satisfaction of, right. And again, nothing wrong with that, right? What's your end goal? And I know that he has more cash flow, right? Than what he has in that just by knowing Jeff and what he's doing and what he's crushing uh, with inside that business. So he's set up perfectly for it. So Evan's already dropped the links. I will be the first to say thank you again for taking the time to chat with us. I know you got to go here shortly. Otherwise we could probably keep chatting for another hour maybe even two, turn it into full Joe Rogan style, but that's not us. So appreciate you. Evan, Thad, thanks so much for your time. And hopefully your listeners got some value here. I know I got some value. So if I got some value, I guarantee the listeners have some value as well. That's my goal. Thank you. All right. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Before you go, two quick things. First off, join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. The other thing, if you took one tiny bit of information out of this show, no matter how big, no matter how small, all we ask is for you to introduce this to one person in your contacts list. That's it. That's all, one person. So they too can unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Until next time, cheers.